And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth to Set You Free, Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. Vic Batista and Nathan Jones, as we're transmitting live from our station. And of course, today we're going to continue talking about the book of Revelation, the seven people of the seven churches. And today we're going to be talking about Sarum from Sardis. So stay tuned to today's program. But before we continue, I'm going to ask my co-host, Nathan Jones, if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word. We thank you for all those who are tuned in. And we, Lord, we ask that you open up the book of Revelation so that we may understand it. Uh, Lord, speak to our hearts. Uh, teach us what you will us to know. And we thank you and praise your holy name. Amen. Amen. Again, you're tuning to Truth to Set You Free, Bible Prophecy TV, Radio Edition, as we're talking about the seven people of the seven churches of the book of Revelation. So, Nathan, it's great to have you on our program once again. I can't believe a week. Well, actually, we skipped last week, so almost two weeks have passed already. It has. It has. Well, you've had a major life change, so I can understand taking the week off. But praise the Lord that uh, we're back in the saddle and working through the churches of Revelation, all seven of them. Fantastic. And Nathan, you you guys are also always up to something new. What what's one what's happening in the ministry? Can you talk to us about the ministry in case someone is new? Maybe they don't have your contact information. What exactly you do over there? What you guys are involved in? Well, certainly. Uh, again, my name is Nathan Jones. I'm the Internet Evangelist with Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy preaching ministry whose mission it is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. We do that at in quite a number of varieties, primarily through our television show called Christ in Prophecy, and you can find it on almost all the major TV Christian TV networks. On our website, of course, at ChristinProphecy.org. We've got tons of LambLion.com uh, lamb as well. Tons of resources, articles. You can join our social networks. You can watch our short videos called The Inboxes. We just we want to teach you about Jesus Christ to get you excited that he, the King is coming back to set up his kingdom, and we want to prepare people for that. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Nathan Jones. And, and of course, July, you have your uh, incredible conference. I know also Dr. Reagan is speaking in a few conferences right now. So you're posting that. That's exciting. Yeah, our founder and director, Dr. David Reagan, is, uh, as a matter of fact, he's leaving for the Stealing the Mind conference in Idaho <laughs> as we speak. Uh, uh, I also go speak at conferences and, and all, but mostly at my pulpit, you could say, is online here with you, man, where we share God's word and answer Bible questions that come in and bring the gospel to all over the world. We live in a tremendous time when you think about it, that we can share the gospel to people literally all over the world who have an internet connection. And you and I both know that we get, we get Muslims who write saying, if anyone knows that I was talking to you, they would kill me. We have people in corners of the world that missionaries could never reach by boat in the years past are now wired. It's like every year that more and more people get wired and connected and we can share the gospel. So I believe that's one of the major end time signs that points to the soon return of Jesus Christ. The fact that God is getting the word out as to as many people as he can as quickly as he can before he returns. Ooh, Nathan, and I'm, I am in agreement with you. There's so many incredible Bible uh, prophecies being fulfilled right before our eyes that you will have to literally be blind to not see uh, how soon uh, we are to the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and Nathan, which brings us again, as we've been doing this uh, incredible study uh, through the book of Revelation, actually looking at the seven people of the seven churches, because much of what we're going to talk about today lines up with Bible prophecy in the last days, as we look at uh, churches in general, the the climate of the churches, if you will. Uh, some look to be alive, but they're more like on life support, if you will, when you really look at it spiritually, you know? 
And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. So as we look at Revelation chapter 3, we want to encourage those of you that are tuned into our program, to this audio cast. Uh, again, follow in your Bible as we're going to jump into the continuation of chapter 3 as we continue in a verse-by-verse study uh, looking at these churches. So, Nathan, can you recap for us briefly, just maybe someone was not part of our previous uh, uh, teachings um, uh, in the previous chapters there. We're up to church number 5. Might you give us a quick little synopsis of the previous churches and what was going on with them? Oh, certainly. Well, obviously we are in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, and actually the book of Revelation besides being written to us, was written primarily for seven churches. The Apostle John is an old man in the 90s uh, AD where was stuck on the island of Patmos where he was exiled. Jesus came to him and he gave a message that he was to deliver to these seven churches. And these seven churches all have different personalities. As a matter of fact, Revelation 2 and 3, the Lord uh, explains to each church. He then explains what their personalities, what they're doing well, what they're not doing well. He then challenges them, and if they meet that challenge, they are become overcomers, then he explains how he will reward them. As we've been going through the different churches, we've obviously talked about the church of Ephesus, where uh, church tradition says that John became the bishop there, and uh, then after Ephesus was Smyrna, then Pergamum, or Pergamos, and then Thyatira. We're now up to the church of Sardis. Now, what's interesting about these churches, they were all churches in the what was called Asia Minor at the time. We call it Turkey today. Ephesus was on the uh, West Coast. And each, if you go in a circle, like around the clock, each of these cities is in a circle where you get right back to Ephesus again. So John would get off the island of Patmos two years later. Another um, emperor had come in and, and pardoned him to go back to Ephesus. And he would take the message of Revelation to these seven churches, and they would make copies. And then, of course, We've got it in the Bible today. So the fact that we're even talking about these churches today stems all the way back from a little old man who was banished to an island, who the Lord gave him a message, and then he brought him to these churches. So if it wasn't for these churches, we wouldn't even have the book of Revelation today. Nathan, excellent point. And, and I was praying about this, Nathan. Hopefully you and I can take a trip to Patmos uh, one of these years because w- we've talked a lot about Revelation, but it'd be nice to go to that location and do a Bible study there, right? Because that oh, place absolutely. is still there today. It is. Uh, matter of fact, it's uh, Dave Stotts of Drive Through History recently released a video where he went to the island of Patmos. It's not very big. And he walked around it and showed you what it's like. It was a, uh, used to be a penal island, uh, uh, one of the Greek islands that um, that uh, the Romans had exiled their prisoners to. And you could see that. I'd love to go. Uh, I know if we ever try to go to Turkey, it's interesting. We had a missionary to Turkey visit our ministry yesterday, and he was talking about how strongly they're persecuting Christians right now in Turkey. It's not a safe place for Christians to go, which is unfortunate. I always wanted to visit the seven churches. I know. Well, and that's the reality, Nathan, which is what we're talking about. These are the dangers that Christians have faced uh, in all generations. And God has always had a message to the believers, a message of faith, a message to stand strong, and a message to be set apart. Much of what we're going to notice today as we continue with the following church here, as we talk about this uh, church of um, Sardis. So, yeah, Nathan, if you can take us through those opening verses, that would be fantastic. Right. Before I do, though, I've got to ask you, I thought it's fascinating. Where did you get the name for the person who represents Sardis? 
Well, you know, Nathan, I always try to uh, grab someone's attention by using Sarum. And of course, some people are familiar with the the, the Lord of the Rings and uh, Sarum, the bad guy there. Sarum, so I thought, yeah, Sarum, man. So, so I thought, hey, man, maybe some individuals would, would, would sort of like tune in and say, oh, yeah, I remember that. But also maybe they'll get them to start reading now the message uh, to Sardis in the book of Revelation. Well, you know, you could have chosen Sally or Cindy or something, but you chose Saruman. So <laughs> I had to laugh. <laughs> Made me laugh, man. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, well, Nathan, you know, the thing is that you and I know that uh, I don't know an actual uh, Saruman out there, but maybe somebody else does. But the message is also to the individuals. Oftentimes, we think that these messages are for somebody else or for a church, but we should look at it. Hey, what is the Lord saying to me? How can I apply how can I apply this being in a particular church myself? And uh, what does God want to say to me? Right. You make a great point, because not only are these messages to seven actual churches in Asia Minor during the end of the first century, but they also represent people. Uh, you could find different people in their different walks with Jesus representing these churches. Uh, theologians have even gone so far to say that these churches represent different time periods within church history. For instance, in Sardis, uh, we are talking about the post-Reformation period of 1517 to about 1750. So we're actually learning, fascinating enough, that the, the churches represent time periods, and we can use them to work our way up to the last church, which is Laodicea, which is our time period, and know that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Mm -hmm. Excellent point. And Nathan, that, that's why this is a fascinating study, and we want to encourage anyone that is tuned in to uh, make sure they follow along, but even when the program is over, to just read the message uh, to all these churches. Thank you so much, Nathan. Yeah, continue to take us through. Okay, well, you'll need to turn to Revelation chapter 3 uh, to start the fifth one, the church of Sardis, and it begins verses 1 through 6. And it reads, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Mm, I love the Nathan. He who has an ear. Uh, and, and again, we see the opening there to the angel of the church in Sardis. So Nathan, uh, what was going on in Sardis at that time? You oftentimes give us a little bit of background of the situation and, and, uh, and, and what was going on in time period and history. Maybe you can open that up for us as well. Right. Well, if you have a Bible, either online or, or paper, you'll notice that it's in red. And if it's red, that means red letters, that these are words of Jesus Christ. It always surprises people that find out that Jesus was talking not just in the Gospels. You can find Jesus here in Revelation. This is his messages, word for word, in chapters 2 and 3, and then throughout other verses through Revelation. So here we have Jesus himself speaking to this church. Now, he introduced himself by saying, 
he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And what he's talking about is you have to go back to Revelation 1, where it explains the sevenfold spirit. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit of God. He's saying this is Jesus Christ. This is the Holy Spirit. This is Father God. The Trinity is here. And I hold the seven stars, which are the each star represented a church. So he's like, basically, Jesus is saying, hey, I am God himself, and I have a message for you. Mm. Nathan, that is fantastic. And, and now I also noticed that it, it, he opens up this message pretty strongly. He says, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. And Nathan, when I look at that verse, it just jumps out at me because, I mean, th th there's so much out here today in terms of churches and ministry or even individuals that have a name. They made a name for themselves and the world looks at them or the church or whatever that is like, wow. But yet we find that this particular church seems to be more like on life support than anything else. He says, but, you know, you have a name, but but you're that you're alive, but you're dead. That has led some theologians to label this church, Sardis, as the dead church. Uh, they, they meet in buildings. They hold a few little things here or there in the way it works. They might do a little outreach to the community, like, you know, hold a potluck or something like that. <laughs> but it, they're dead inside. They're, in other words, they're, they're not saved. They're, they're people who, Timothy said, had the form of God, or Paul to Timothy, they have the form of godliness but deny his power. They... They are cultural Christians. They they meet together in churches. They read humanistic theology. They read uh, self-help books, but you can't find a Bible in the pews. Nobody understands when they say, how are you saved? They're like, what? They just don't know that they're... Now, it's a legitimate church because obviously they're one of the seven, and the only reason right. for a legitimate church is you have to go down to verse 4, where it says, hey, there are a few of you who are actually saved. <laughs> there are some of you who know Jesus Christ. Uh, if you're a hundred person church, maybe five of you know me as savior, but for the rest of you, you guys are just showing up and it's not yeah. a, a thriving, alive church. It's sadly a lot like the churches that we see in Europe right now, especially great Britain, where they're being turned into restaurants and mosques. They're dying by literally 100 churches a year are collapsing over there in Europe because they are like the church of Sardis. They are spiritually dead. Mm. Nathan, you just made a very good point, and 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 that also opens up great opportunities right there for missions and evangelism. Sometimes people say, "Man, where 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 can God use me?" Hey, Europe is a great place, right, Nathan? Because this that's where we see a great need out there of the real gospel uh, to be preached. When we get to the Church of Philadelphia, we'll see that that was a fantastic time of spreading the gospel throughout the world. And where was that headquartered? England and. Uh, Germany, and it, you know, it came out of Europe, but now Europe is post-Christian. It's, it's dead. I think one of the light, latest statistics I read is like 1% of the Great Britain considers itself as evangelical Christians, Bible-believing, saved Christians. I mean, 1% used to be like over 80% claimed that they were Bible-believing Christians. And so what we got now is a dead church. Uh, it's dead in Europe. Matter of fact, where they sent the missionaries— like countries like here and, and uh, Asia and the Caribbean and all, they're now, Africa, they're now sending missionaries, like you said, to Europe to bring the gospel. But yeah. brother, you know it, that where the gospel's been and left, it's hard to bring the gospel back to it. It's They're spiritually dead. They're callous towards the gospel, even hostile towards the gospel. 
And those who are Christians there are, are like a plant wilting from lack of sunlight. There's just nobody to grow in their faith. So being a missionary to Europe is extremely difficult. Yeah, and that's true, Nathan. I hear that a lot. We have missionaries that go in, that go to Spain and to all these places, and it's just a, a hard soil because it's true. You 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 think, wow, this is where the gospel came from, and now we're going back to it, and people are rejecting it. So we definitely need to pray for those missionaries uh, in those places. But Nathan, it's just the reality that that sometimes just because something or someone supposedly has a name doesn't necessarily mean that that God's uh, point of view is. A same as the world's point of view, because we have a um, a tendency to put people in a pulpit uh, or, or ministries in a pulpit because of their size or because of their name. But what the Lord looks is inside. What's really happening inside? What is the Holy Spirit doing? Right, Nathan? And uh, we notice that here in, in the Revelation, oftentimes uh, it's the smaller churches that are actually doing the, 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 the right work. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. You know, it's fascinating when you, you look through this and where he says, you know, to come out uh, and to, uh, that there's a remnant at this church. And if you look at the dead church, you look at the time period it's supposed to represent, the 1600s and 1700s, at least here in America, we think, well, you know, America was founded on Puritans and the Bible and godliness, and our early American history was very strong in the Bible, but that was a rarity in Europe. Uh, the church had died under the Catholic Church and uh, the Anglican Church, uh, the Huguenots were pushed out of France and uh, many of the areas. The, the fact that we have the Puritans coming to the United States was because they were fleeing the persecution of Europe. The Catholic Church greatly persecuted Christians, especially in the Inquisitions. And so they came to the United States. They were the minority. They were the tiny little remnant that we read about here in the church. So even though we look at American history and say, hey, now, wait a minute, that was a, a time of of great Christianity in the United States, for the most of the world, the church was dead, and it had to be rebirthed. And when we get into Philadelphia, we'll see that rebirth. Excellent point. And Nathan, you know, as, as we look at this, again, I believe that this is a very important message, because when we get to verse 2, again, we see, like you were saying, that there there are still certain people there that, uh, that the Lord is speaking to, their believers. It says, be watchful, Revelation 3, 2, and strengthen the things which are remain, that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect uh, before God. So we see here also like a challenge, Nathan, a warning, uh, a word of exhortation. Hey, those of you that are, that are there, the this is about to die, but there's hope. Strengthen yourselves. Yeah, there is. The Lord has always kept a remnant. I mean, if you remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal, you know, the Lord destroyed the the altar that the prophets had challenged, or Elijah challenged the altar. And uh, then it wasn't shortly after that Elijah was bemoaning the fact that, well, where are the other people that are faithful to you? And God told Elijah, he said, I always keep a remnant. As a matter of fact, I think it was, what, 7,000 who wouldn't be yeah. able to tell that that he kept here even in the dead church. The Lord kept the Puritans, or at least if we go back to first century here, Sardis, there were a few members of that church that still loved the Lord and followed him. They were just going to a church that was dead, and the Lord calls them out. And was, you're right, he, they their works were just not perfect. They just were just doing it to, as a community club, and they weren't really passionate about sharing the gospel. And so uh, it's interesting here. Then the Lord like he does in all of verse three, he says, well, hey, you're not going to heed my warning. This is what I'm going to come. I'm going to come like a thief. When you don't expect it, when the hour comes and 
and you're going to be shocked. You're going to be shocked because here I come and you're not ready. You're not saved, basically. And that mm-hmm. becomes the whole world when the rapture happens. You know, Nathan, and it reminds me what the Bible says in Matthew 24, uh, 42, because, again, the Lord was constantly saying, watch, be ready. Matthew 24, 42, watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour uh, the Lord is coming. And then in, in, in there also, um, we notice Matthew 25, 13, watch, therefore, for you not know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And and, and the Lord all throughout always uh, shares, hey, be watchful, be ready, uh, uh, because, you know, we, we need to be prepared at all times. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 that we're to put on the full armor of God, and that's daily, right, Nathan? Right. And he even talks about it. He says, hey, if you're an overcomer, in other words, you stay in the faith, uh, then you didn't defile your garments, so to speak. In other words, you didn't defile your life with idolatry and immorality, and you, know, you stayed with the Lord in faith. And he, he promises them things. He says, hey, you're going to walk with me face to face. Isn't that amazing? We will see Jesus Christ face to face one day, and we will be clothed in white garments. And that's more than just mean we go to heaven and you're wearing white robes, but it's a symbol of our purity by Jesus Christ's blood. We are cleansed of our sins and we stand before the Father, no longer guilty of our sins and our rebellion against them, but pure and holy due to Jesus Christ. And it says here in verse five that we will not be blotted out of the name of the book of life. In other words, when those people who die, who are written in the book of life, but haven't accepted Jesus as Savior, that's it. They're, they're facing hell, eternal death. But if your name's in the book of life, particularly the Lamb's book of life, Jesus' book yes. that says that you are saved, then you will be confessed by name before the God and before his angels. In other words, Jesus Christ himself will intercede for you. He will say, hey, God, I died in his place. He accepted me in faith. He is saved. He is now purely pure and holy, and he can stand before you with his sins atoned for. He can be a child of God. And man, I can't wait to that day where I stand before the Father face to face, and Jesus Christ, with his nail-scarred hands, proves that he died for me. He took my sin's punishment upon himself, and I am now justified before the Father. I am cleansed of my sins, and I can live with him forever in his new city, the new Jerusalem on the new earth. Brother, that is what being an overcoverer means. Nathan, that is fantastic. And, you know, that's why this this is why this is exciting when we do these type of programs, because there's an opportunity for individuals to know that there's always hope. And maybe you are that uh, Saruman, if you will, in Sardis, and you feel like you betrayed the Lord, that maybe you're not you haven't been faithful, that you haven't. Hey, there's always an opportunity to repent. There's always an opportunity to come back to God. If you have not confessed him as Savior, we're going to give you an opportunity to do just that, because, again, there's always hope this message if you're listening to this message right now that's god's way of showing you that he still loves you that there's hope that there's still a chance if you are a a member in a church and you recognize that that place is pretty much dead because uh uh, others there are not just uh being committed to the things of god well you make a difference you make sure that you're staying close to the lord you make sure that you run close to him And Nathan, that's what we're talking about here. It's talking about the overcomers, and that's the individuals in the church. Someone said that God doesn't have any grandchildren. In other words, everyone has to come to the Lord on his own, right, Nathan? (laughs) (laughs) That's really well said. You know, you you basically summarize verse 6. It says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What does it mean to have an ear? It means that, 
hey, if, if the Holy Spirit is, is talking to you in your heart, he's moving you towards, towards repentance and giving your life to him, you've got an ear. Now, you're hearing the Holy Spirit, but hey, dead people don't hear the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. unfortunately, a lot of this death will be pruned off and allowed to die. But those, those who the Lord is trying to reach, well, he's, gonna, he's speaking in your inner ear. He's speaking in your heart. He's calling you to him and we have the free will to respond or not. So the question is, how will you respond? Nathan, you know, I, I, that is so true. And uh, I know we only have a few minutes of the program, but I have to say, uh, you know, there are so there there's so, certain individuals and pastors out there that have recognized that there's a lack in the churches, there's a lack in the people, that most of the people there seem to be dead rather than alive uh, because they're just basically uh, going through the motions. I have to say there's also, um, you probably heard of Francis Chan and uh He's one example I was just reading regarding what he has done through the ministry uh, many years ago. And apparently he wrote that he re- recognized that there was something missing in his church. And uh, he wanted to go back to the, uh, the, the, the the way that we see the church in the Bible. And from what I understand, he basically stepped, stepped away from the big church he had to just go and start small groups in different homes. And that's pretty much what he's been focused on his ministry because he, he realized, man, this is what we need. We need people to once again be in love with Jesus, to grow, to have a real relationship with him. And, and Nathan, I commend that because we're seeing that that's what's happening in these last days. It's just there seems to be a deadness as well, even if these churches are mega churches. You know, I was really blessed to go to a right now media conference and see Francis Chan preach that message and explain why he walked away from, you know, for most pastors, a dream come true, being a, a multinational pastor of a megachurch. But you're right. He, he saw that the institution was starting to eclipse the heart and soul of what church is meant to be. And that's our relationship with Jesus Christ. And good, good example. He walked away. And so that's what we need to do, too. You know, you could be in a fantastically large, powerful church that meets all the time and, and, and you know, pats itself on the back very well in, the, in man's eyes. But that doesn't mean you could even be in a tiny little church that says, brother, I, you and I have both spoken at churches that are the frozen chosen. The church is really dead. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter the size of the church. What matters is the heart. And there are churches of all sizes and shapes that, that just are dead and, and need to die the believers need to come out of it so they don't die spiritually as well, but they grow in the Lord and find a church. If, if you're a believer in Christ and you are starving in the church you're in spiritually, then it's time for you to go. You know, It doesn't matter how big or wonderful you think the church is as an institution. If you're starving spiritually, it means it's time to go find a place that you can call home. Vic, you're a pastor. What, what should people look for in the way of good live churches? Well, Nathan, throughout the years, what I've noticed is one of the things that has been lacking in a lot of churches, it's just a simple teaching of the Word of God. We love to teach chapter by chapter and verse by verse because we find that that helps nourish people and strengthen them. Uh, So we believe just going back to the Bible, uh, the book of Acts 2.42, go to a church where they teach the Word, where they love prayer, they teach the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they teach Bible prophecy, because these are the things that that keep us on fire uh, for the Lord. So Nathan, I I really think that that's one of the key is, uh, again, the sound doctrine of the pure Word of God. Amen, brother. Fantastic advice. 
Yeah, and, and Nathan also wanted to challenge that individual, again, that maybe doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, that uh, this will be a great time for them maybe to pause whatever they're doing and uh, maybe give ear and attention to what the Spirit is saying to them. So, Nate, would you be able to just share with that person that maybe hasn't trusted in Christ how they can start their relationship even right now? Well, heed what the Holy Spirit says to these churches. He says, remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. You today have just heard the gospel that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and beat death by resurrecting from the dead. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior, you too shall be saved of your sins. The penalty for your sins went on Jesus. The perfect man slash God paid for your sins. And therefore, you were saved. And to accept that, pray something from your heart like, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and Savior. Jesus will do just that. Your sins will be forgiven. The guilt will be gone. You'll start a new life in him, and you can grab hold of the eternal promises of living with Jesus Christ forever. Ooh, praise the Lord, Nathan. Thank you so much. And that is fantastic news. And hey, wherever you are, maybe you prayed and you received the Lord by faith. We would love to hear from you. We would love to continue to encourage you in this wonderful relationship with the Lord. And there's a celebration in heaven, according to the Bible, for every sinner that repents and turns to Christ Jesus. That is fantastic news. So right there, you're part of the living and not of the dead. Right, Nathan? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, brother. You are now a child of God. Praise the Lord. Uh, Nathan, fantastic, fantastic message there. And of course, we ran out of time for this segment of the program. But again, we encourage you to continue to read the messages to the rest of the uh, uh, the churches there in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. And I think you will be greatly, greatly encouraged. Uh, so again, our time has run out for this segment of the program. Of course, Vic Batista, Nathan Jones, we thank you for being part uh, of today's program. And of course, remember that you can always reach out to us. We would love to continue to pray for you. Those of you following us on social media as well, uh, reach, reach out to us and we would love to uh, uh, encourage you and, and also pray with you. So Nathan, we pretty much ran out of time for this segment of the program. It's always a pleasure to have you here as our co-host. Great, brother. I look forward to tackling the sixth church with you. Absolutely. Week. It'll be exciting. So thank you, Nathan, for being part of our program. And of course, we thank you all for, again, tuning in to this segment of the program. And remember, uh, keep looking up. The Lord is coming very, very soon and continue to trust him and serve him uh, wherever the Lord has placed you. So may the Lord bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you. Nathan Jones, we thank you again and we thank you all for tuning in. Have a great week.